Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the 16th episode of the Wimlex Show. We're delighted that we're being joined today by Wang Yu. He's a serial entrepreneur born in Beijing, and he grew up in Sweden. Um, Wang Yu studied two masters and moved back to China in 2007 to start his first business, P1, a fashion community. Um, founded by Yu Wang and Sophia Pan, they ventured into dating, and he is now the founder of Tantan, the number one dating app uh, in China. Some call it the Tinder of China. Um, Tantan has more than 200 million users, and we're delighted that Wang is on our show today. So hi, Wang. Hi, it's a great pleasure to join you guys. Thanks so much for being in the podcast. Um, my, my first question is, uh, well, about you. I mean, you've uh, um, been raised in, in Sweden, um, but born in yeah. Beijing. Um, yeah. How did you uh, come up with the uh, concept of starting a dating app in China? So, like you said, I'm born in Beijing and grew up in Sweden. And me and Sophia were uh, the co-founders, both of P1 and uh, later on uh, Tantan. And I think of the Chinese people in Sweden, we were probably the only ones I know of at the time who both wanted to start our own company and also wanted to go back to China. So that's why we did it back in 2007. And back then, like social media communities were, were the hottest thing, right? So we, we did that for a pretty high-end positioned uh, community called P1. And that turned out to be very challenging because uh, it's such a niche market and it's, it's hard to scale it as we noticed after seven, eight years. But the, the quality of the uses were very high. And since uh, you basically had a bunch of very good looking guys and girls, the main activity on P1 was mainly dating. So we really had a lot of experience in, uh, in the dating area. And another thing was that during the P1 years, uh, we very early on, I think seven, eight years ago, we wanted to, uh, to incorporate a feature called uh, Secret Crush. So that feature is that when I, uh, in P1, the rules are that when you look at someone's profile, you become their visitor, right? So then they can look at you as well. And if you look at each other, chances are that you'll start talking, right? And secret crush would be that on top of this, you can press the secret crush button when you visit someone's profile. And they won't know, no one will see this, but if they visit you and also press your button, then you'll both know. And this is very similar to how Tantan and Tinder uh, works. But back then we decided not to do it because uh, we wanted to focus on being a community. We didn't want to turn into a dating app. So. Then after seven, eight years, we tried several pivots and, you know, tried, tried to make it scale, make it, make it bigger, but it was really difficult. And we summed, summed it up into like three main learning points, right? One was that the target group was too niched. Uh, the market was too small. Uh, the second was that the pain point wasn't strong enough. Fashion socializing isn't something people have to solve as a need. And the third point was that the, fee- the product it grew too heavy. Was, there were too many features. And if you don't have a core like killer feature that people really uh, need to use and try to compensate that by, by other, adding other, other features, you're not making the product stronger. You're actually just diluting your, your already not so strong product. So then uh, we also saw that Tinder was doing pretty well, right? And 
they were basically running this idea we had with with Secret Crush since many years back. So we decided to give it a shot in China. That's how we started doing the uh, dating. Wow. Fascinating story. And I can imagine that uh, during those years, there were many entrepreneurs thinking of developing uh, the so-called Tinder of China. Uh, I know of a company, QQ, that, that, that I think also had social engagement features and, and, and dating features. In that, that, that market with other social dating apps present, how could you grow so quickly in, and, and become the market leader? Yeah, so when we started, there were around 100 companies uh, doing similar products. And uh, I think the reason we succeeded was because we had such a long experience from P1. You know, basically, during the P1 days, we made every mistake you can make. And by basically avoiding to make the same mistakes, we were doing a much better job than everyone else who hadn't made those mistakes before. So I think that really it really just came down to that. And they didn't fail because we were doing a good job. They failed because they did a bad job. And I mean, some examples, right? You, you have to be very clear about what pain point, what kind of need you're, you're trying to take care of. And we spent quite a long time trying to clarify and specify exactly what it was. And for us, our definition of, of the pain point we're solving is that singles have big lack of channels to meet people. That, that's like, the, like a super pain point in China. And we didn't position it as you know, quick sex or getting married, which is quite you know, in, in, in extremes which most other, or I would say all other dating apps I've seen basically uh, did. And if you're positioning as a hookup app, the problem is that you don't get the girls, right? You only get guys who are looking for sex, but then you have no girls, so they won't actually succeed and it won't work. And for matchmaking, for getting people married, you're talking about 35 plus Right, of people who haven't gotten uh, married and who are quite desperate and also kind of recognize that they're desperate. So that's also a very small part of the market. But if you take all singles, every single has a need to meet someone, right? Because if they already met someone, then they probably wouldn't be single anymore. So that's a need that 100% of the market has and it's a perfectly uh, normal need that you know, you wouldn't be ashamed to um, acknowledge that you have. So that's uh, one big thing. And connect, in connection to this uh, pain point, it's, it's quite interesting because we think that the, uh, the pain point is much stronger in China than uh, in the West uh, for a few reasons. One is that Chinese people uh, don't really have a flirting culture. And this applies to many Asian countries, but uh, especially in China. So people are actually very open to dating. So there's a dating culture. It's, it's perfectly okay nowadays that you have had you know, several boyfriends or girlfriends before you get married. That's not the issue. But, but the issue is reaching out to a stranger and start talking. Uh, that is seen as very indecent still. Because of that, there, there, there are basically no viable offline channels to meet people. For example, when we started, we were looking for you know, ways to get the initial user group, right? And we looked at, can we do some promotions at, uh, at college parties? And we noticed that there were no college parties, you know, not a single one, basically. So no parties for, for young people. Uh, very few go to clubs or bars. It's basically the international Chinese people who, has, who have been abroad who go to clubs and bars. And if you meet someone, right, say in the mall or in the elevator, uh, in the subway, 
uh, you don't talk to them because that that is seen as indecent. So, so there is basically no way to, to meet someone offline. The other thing is that unlike most other countries, in China, uh, most young people are not in their home uh, city. They move to a uh, bigger city to either study or, or work. Right. So most young people are actually, and these are singles, right? Most young singles are in a different city than their home city uh, for studying or working. And that makes them much more lonely, right? They, they, they don't have any friends or family. And because they don't have any friends or family, there is even less people who can make introductions for them. You, um, um, I, I believe, totally believe in the market. So uh, um, the market is there. As I've learned from other dating uh, providers, the revenue potential in the market seems to be limited. I think uh, Match, the Match Group is uh, one of the biggest providers worldwide. They've started with um, some standard dating portals. I don't know what the history of dating portals was in uh, China. If, 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 can you tell us a little bit about if uh, have there kind of big dating portals in China or did it start, start with like the mobile um, approach. And my other question would be, is there a real revenue model behind the business? Can we just think about um, this app like uh, Tinder users are using Tinder in, in Europe? Is it, is it pretty much the same, even the, um, even the, uh, the premium uh, model? Can you elaborate on this a little bit? So um, has there been like big dating, dating portals in China and how do you earn money? Uh, have there been big dating what, sorry? Dating portals, like the, 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 the before mobile oh, time, before Tinder came up, they'd been like very big ones and they're still big ones. The more professional dating, I would say. Uh, whereas like Tinder in Europe is more seen, or Germany at least, I can tell for Germany, more seen like a, a hookup app, um, as you described it. Uh, so maybe you can, uh, you can uh, uh, um, guide us a little bit about the uh, history of dating uh, infrastructure in China. Yeah, so China is uh, it's quite different because I would say the biggest uh, online platform for dating was QQ. So that's actually what made them big. It's kind of what got Facebook started in the beginning as well, right? But they these uh, these two companies, Tencent is basically seen as the Facebook of China, right? So so they basically made a very early pivot from dating into friends uh, socializing. Uh, but dating was what got them started. And uh, QQ uh, evangelized the, the whole dating market, the online dating market in China. So uh, my generation, you know, people born in, you know, late 70s, early 80s, I would say about half the people I know in my age found their partners through QQ back in those days. So that's how big it was, right? And obviously there's a lot of, uh, revenue potential behind that. Ten, Tencent is has a you know the same valuation as Facebook nowadays, uh, but that's because they also expanded towards socializing with friends, which is a much bigger market. Then, uh, if you talk about very serious matchmaking uh, platforms, you have Gen I, which Match Group had a stake in that they uh, I think recently sold off, and uh, you also have Jiayuan and Baihe. Uh, those are the three players. They were also very early on, and they're all listed companies, I think, with relatively high valuations. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, I think over a billion RMB in revenue per year for uh, for each of these companies. Baihe and Jiayuan merge into one. So uh, in that case, we're talking about the combined company. 
And, uh, but uh, like I said, matchmaking is subset of, of the whole dating, uh, dating market. I just, uh, uh, just to understand like the, the valuation, the one RMB is like, although I think one euro, it's more or less like eight to 10 RMBs. So the overall revenue yes. of the platforms you were talking about are about like, let's say 100, 150 million euros. That doesn't seem to be so big compared to the sheer size of the uh, of the Chinese market. Do, do you understand it wrong or is it even bigger? No, 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 you're right. But that's because I would say they're not really maximizing what they could have been. Okay. And also they're focusing too much on the, you know, getting people married so to say that's like i said i think that's a, that's a much smaller part of the market if you look at match group right most of their 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 gross revenues uh is coming from uh tinder nowadays it's also not from match.com right it's about the same thing oh, okay got it so there are, there has been like dating portals in china before uh, i don't know if you married uh, or if you found your uh, love of your life through this portal understood that you uh, did it somehow this way. Uh, and, and, but is the revenue model um, of your app the same um, as the Tinder model? Sorry, sorry, uh, j j just, just, just to clarify, right? Uh, I said that the biggest uh, facilitator for dating was QQ, which yeah. is owned by Tencent. I, I, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with QQ and Tencent. Yeah, of course, Tencent is like in, in our podcast always a, a, a part. Like it's, uh, we compare yeah. like the Batman economy and the GAFA economy. So Tencent is a part. Um, I don't know QQ uh, in particular. Uh, yeah, so, so Tencent basically have two uh, big uh, services. One is WeChat, one is QQ. QQ was basically all of Tencent before they launched WeChat. So that, that was de facto the service for Tencent till I remember when they launched WeChat, but say six years ago. Okay. So that they were the biggest player in dating. These others, you're talking about dating matchmaking portals. Those were the ones I mentioned that has reasonable revenue, but not, you know, not very big. And that's because they, they were kind of like a fringe product somehow. Okay, and can you tell yeah. me? Uh, can can you tell us a little bit more uh, about the uh, view so, on one on one customer? So where do you? Now the app already is very big. So uh, does it like grow organically because it's so much? Is there still a lot of potential to grow organically? Do the app need to go into other countries? Is it even possible uh, to go into other markets? And I'd like to learn a little, little bit more about like the churn rate. If the app is really successful, there must be a decent churn rate on the on the user base. So the thing is that uh, we merged with uh, Momo, which is another big dating and uh, social entertainment company early in 2018, right? So we're indirectly a public com company. And that's why I can't uh, give out any actual numbers. Those are always communicated in connection to Tori reports for, uh, for Momo, which I'm par a part of. I'll see how much I can say, right? So when we are, when we are looking into uh, retail models in, uh, in Europe, um, and there's like an e-commerce uh, shop, for example, Uh, we are trying to understand, so how do they get new customers and where do these customers come from? What do you have to pay okay. for a new customer? Yeah. What is the average revenue? And then we can somehow relate to the stability of the business model, of the underlying business model. I know it's very okay. hard to, to transfer it into the dating market, but there, there's all the customers, people that want to date, 
there must be kind of a churn rate. There's kind of a rev revenue model behind. So we don't need to understand the overall numbers of uh, um, of your business model. But I'd like to I'd like to. Yeah, yeah. So I can give you some 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 uh, basic notions, right? So first of all, uh, the main part of our growth is organic, right? And always has been. And on top of that, uh, we are doing a lot of marketing. And we have also been among the most innovative internet players with, uh, in terms of how we do marketing. So since we got started uh, back in 2014, I think we more or less switched uh, the main marketing methods almost every half year. Because after a while, basically, whatever you do, you, you will have more or less saturated uh, that marketing platform you're using, right? And if the acquisition costs are good, uh, then all the other players, not necessarily in dating or social, but you know, all the other internet players will see that this is good and they will start doing it as well, which means that it becomes more or less time to, to change into something else. But with that said, we do spend significant money on marketing. Uh, but uh, that's still less than half of our our, our total growth. M most of the growth is organic. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I, I, I got. I got. I got that. Um, and 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 do you have like a a strategy to uh, nurture the users or to like give the users uh, more opportunities um, above from just dating? So um, an e-commerce business would always try to to add more like uh, products on the website just to grow the uh, basket size or to add new services or to verticalize? Is it the same in your business? Or maybe you've started to do some... These um, the college parties, for example, could be a good example where, where to venture uh, in. I think fundamentally, uh, e-commerce and social are very different business models. So I wouldn't compare them one to one. I don't think Amazon would really be comparable to Facebook either, right? So yeah. I can say a few things. First of all, you were talking about churn rate, right? We've had very good retention numbers since we got started. So, I mean, of course there's some churn, but there's churn in any kind of service. But we have very significant numbers in terms of daily active users and uh, monthly active users, right? People swipe over a billion times a day on Tantan. I think we generated around 10 billion matches to date. And you have to think about that a match is between two people, right? So it's, it's actually 20 billion match experiences so far. So it, it's significant scale. It's not like we acquire users and then they just all, all, all disappear. We have very significant uh, traffic, uh, traffic every day. And it's been uh, continuously growing. We think that we probably have another 3x room to grow in China because you have basically around 300 million single people uh, or so people in that age group. And each person, how do you say, each account is like a phone number, right? And people tend to change phone numbers. So each phone number is not necessarily one person. So we have, say, 200 million uh, uh, users, but Today, we have gotten like 600 million users. Uh, maybe we will have had a total of around 400 million people registering. And it's, it would have been, by that time, you know, a few years from now, six, uh, seven years after we started. So uh, some people out of those have already moved out of, uh, you know, the age of being single. So 300 million is at any given point how many people are, are single. So, so uh, that's, I think, 
quite realistic, and it's also roughly the numbers that uh, Momo, uh, the company we merged with, kind of like the numbers they have uh, being a very established company. So uh, there's definitely room for around 3x growth still in China. What I'm still trying to figure out, though, I, I haven't used your app still, and I think even the ones that are not single anymore uh, could be users. So if I look into Tinder usage in Europe, uh, uh, but uh, um, as you said, it's not a hook, uh, it's not a hookup app. But um, uh, um, have you have you gained some insight about like changing of dating behavior? So uh, compared when you started the app or the environment, or how 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 many matches resulted in like real world meetings or in how much exchange per uh, per match so how many how many messages have been exchanged like three years ago compared to today is there some some change in social behavior driven by uh, uh, social media no uh, like I said I, I think QQ were the ones who really evangelized uh, the whole dating market online dating market then that's almost 20 years ago right okay. so they, they were launched They, they just had a 20-year uh, birthday, I think, yesterday or so. So oh, okay. uh, people are actually very used to online dating. That, that's not an issue. So for us, the kind of activity levels per user have been quite stable since we started. But in terms of just messages, I think we just bypassed 100 million messages sent per day. So uh, there's a lot of messages going around. And 100, Just to understand, 150 messages per user per day no, on, no, your, uh, on your app alone? No, 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 no. A hundred million messages per ah, day. Ah, okay. But uh, right. a hundred million messages on your app or, uh, yeah. On our app. On our app. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And how many of these matches and chats that lead to actual relationships, we don't really know. Uh, we know it's a lot. I mean, being conservative, I would say we probably have generated uh, tens of millions of couples. Right. That's that's I think a conservative number. Yeah, but that's cool. Actually, that's a cool. That's actually a cool achievement. So, uh, uh, oh yes. Okay, you you can you can say you have like uh, uh, created a lot of love. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, I, I mean, if you look at people somewhere between eighteen and uh, and thirty, you know, people who actually get do get end up together, a pretty significant portion of them nowadays met through Tantan in China. And uh, you asked about our plans overseas. We are doing some expansion uh, into the rest of Asia uh, currently. So we have quite significant numbers outside China too, actually. And does it work? So is there like a, is, do you have like a competitive advantage uh, by expanding, I don't know, into Thailand or Vietnam or wherever uh, it suits you? Uh, is that something like, because it's like a, it seems to be a very local approach. So you have like net, uh, network uh, economy effect in your country. So it's hard like, to gain the same traction today uh, in the same market as you're in, uh, in China. Mm. But it, 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 it's very hard actually to, to uh, transfer this kind of network effect into other countries. So am I right or is it uh, the wrong view here? Well, of course. I mean, local network effects don't really spread uh, that much. It spreads to a certain extent because there's a lot of Chinese people in the rest of Asia too. Right? But that's not what we rely on. In the end, in terms of just expanding... Uh, you know, geographically, it's quite a lot about localization. Okay. For example, if you look at Facebook, what really got them to take off in the rest of the world was what, when they launched this feature where people could translate Facebook uh, as users, right? They let the users be able to translate the app into their own languages. And then they got much better uh, localized translations uh, of the app. 
and they got uh, you know translations into every possible imaginative uh, imaginary uh, language uh, or language you can imagine, right? So, so um, localization is very important. And I mean, if you look at the players at our scale, uh, I think there, there is more or less just us and Mash Group out there. And in in terms of Asia, I think we probably are much clo- closer to being able to, you know, having a localized fit in both of, you know, both in terms of products, you know, the, the, the kind of like the type of communication used and uh, operational and marketing methods. So, yeah, we, 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 we're not really afraid of any competition anywhere, actually. So it's just about how aggressively we want to pursue our growth outside of China. And right now, it's a, you know, so-so kind of situation. We're still focused mainly on China because there's such a big room to grow still. Okay. William, do you want to jump in um, on your question? To, okay. to wrap up the podcast, impressive numbers uh, with more than 2 million users, uh, over 1 billion, uh, more than 10 billion matches. I mean, the, the, we're talking data, big numbers. Uh, I have one last question, uh, just for the wrap-up. We don't... Uh, try to do it longer than like an, a domestic flight. That's actually the time people have to listen to podcasts in Europe. And domestic flight in Europe is different to China, obviously, uh, only uh, <laughs> lasting uh, 40 minutes. Um, um, so so my, my, uh, my wrap-up question would be, so uh, apart from like spreading uh, the network in, in China and doing some, uh, some um, uh, test and learn um, um, overseas, is there something really new stuff to come? Or is there like... Uh, people are talking a lot of uh, uh, artificial intelligence, AR, even in, in dating. Is this relevant from uh, what you can see today? Yeah, so so uh, two of our, of our uh, big focuses going forward, except for just in, you know, pure scale of growth, uh, one is obviously on revenues. You, you asked about that, so I'm going to just talk a little bit about that. Uh, we have launched uh, some revenue models, mainly subscription-based models, um, so the app is kind of like a freemium type where you can use it for free, but you can also get a subscription and uh, get, uh, you know, features and um, how do you say access that others can't. And uh, that is going very well without being able to go into actual numbers, but we're seeing some very significant revenues. Outside of that, we're also going to explore uh, revenue models where it's not subscription based. It's, you know. Uh, revenue models where you can spend anywhere from almost close to nothing to uh, very big uh, amounts per user every month. And if you look at Momo, you know, who has kind of like a combined dating and uh, social entertainment uh, kind of uh, products and, and, and revenue model, one of their, their big uh, revenue generators is uh, live streaming, right? And it's, it's, it's quite a lot about giving virtual gifts to, to the streamer. And you have people who spend millions of dollars per, per month uh, uh, on doing that, up to like $10 million a month. Uh, on, on that, so so the ARPU numbers in China is not uh, lower than in the US or the Europe. It might be if you look at the median, right? But if you look at the total amount, uh, because there are quite a lot of ultra rich people, uh, it, it's kind of like games, right? If you can if you can extract the top one to two percent of users who spend a lot of money. Then your total ARPU can 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 increase manyfold. 
So that's one of the things where we are going to take a look at. So that's one thing. And in terms of algorithms and AI, that's obviously a very uh, central part uh, of our, our products. So, so, so that is the third part uh, we're going to spend a lot of uh, effort in. And I don't know if you watched the movie A Beautiful Mind, but basically this exact uh, problem is what uh, led to Nash's uh, whole theorem you know, about uh, uh, game theory. So it's actually a very difficult problem to solve. If you have five guys and five girls, and all the five guys like the best-looking girl the most, right? And you know, vice versa with the girls. How do you get as many people as happy as possible? And you, you're actually not going to give each person's most preferred choice to each person because then uh, the, the the sum of happiness is not going to be maximized. You, everyone has to optimize both for themselves and for all of society, and that's a typical problem to solve through something like AI, but it's a very, very difficult problem, actually. I know. And that's a very good closing. I, I think uh, Nash and the uh, uh, game theory is one of the main part of uh, of, uh, of uh, the Custom Tuner podcast and even the Wimlex show. Um, and what we've learned in platform economy from the game theory is, uh, or the, the so-called prisoner's dilemma, is uh, the, the best position is to be the prison provider. Uh, so, uh, uh, which is the case here. So, actually, that's how that's how platform economy is working. You need to be like the provider of the infrastructure, and then within the infrastructure, uh, you have to develop systems um, that let the prisoners or lovers to figure out what's the best way uh, to find the match. Uh, uh, but it's very cool that you have this uh, this view and this platform view um, on the app. Uh, um, I, I'd like to deep dive in the app itself, but it's like for me from a European perspective not very accessible so to say uh uh but it's a it's a it's, or, or or is there like ways where we can have like a deeper look uh inside inside yeah uh, into it? uh tantana is available you know the all over the world uh, and we do have quite a lot of users in in the west too we just haven't ever done any marketing uh in the west so it's pure organic mostly from chinese people uh flying overseas so so it's not you know, close to as many users as uh, there are in, in Asia, but you can still download it. You can just search for Tantan on App Store and, and, or on Google Play and, and, and have a look at yourself. Yeah, okay. I just I just found it on on the on the Play Store. First review is like from two days ago. I love Asian girls. The app is really really cool to get a match with Asian girls. <laughs> Five stars. No, yeah. yeah, yeah, I get. I, I deep dive. I I need to discuss it with my wife, uh, but I deep dive into it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks a lot. So uh, we we will happy to to host you and to meet you like uh, in Europe if you're if you happen to be here. Uh, 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 next time in uh, in 2019, it was very interesting, a very very new view uh, in the Wimlex uh, um, show. Um, I hope we don't have uh, we did not have uh, so many um, audio uh, issues here. Uh, but thanks a lot for your time and very open and honest question on our show. Thank you, you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Great to but, be here. <laughs>